Welcome to the Modern Pirate Podcast. My name is Kent Mulligan and today's guest is Mervyn High. Mervyn is the owner of the Panic Room Barbershop in Singapore. He's a barber by trade, an entrepreneur and a fitness enthusiast. I really enjoyed getting some insight and understanding about how Mervyn built Southeast Asia's leading barbershop and retail outlet. I hope you enjoy this chat. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Chaga Health. Chaga Health is an organic, wild-harvested chaga mushroom elixir. These chaga mushrooms are harvested in the pristine Nordic forests of Estonia and blended with sea buckthorn extract and vitamin C to create a powerful immune-boosting elixir. I use this product daily to keep my immunity high and to speed up my recovery. I highly recommend you check out this product and optimise your health and immune system also. Podcast listeners today get a 10% discount off your entire order over at chagahealth.com.au. That's chaga, C-H-A-G-A, health.com.au. Enter the code modernpirate10 at checkout to receive your discount. This episode is also brought to you by our company, Modern Pirate. Modern Pirate is an Australian-made men's grooming company that is 100% carbon neutral. We're based in Melbourne, Australia and produce a large range of men's grooming products. We have naturally enhanced styling pomades and clays, shampoo conditioner and our black pearl body wash. We also have our range of natural soaps that include charcoal, Australian red clay, bentonite clay and my favourite, the Dead Sea Mud. Head over to the website modernpirate.com.au and enter the code MP20 at checkout for a 20% discount off your entire order. Good morning, Mervyn. How are you? Hey, good morning, Ken. I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying my off day so far. Oh, you got the day off today. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So just for the listeners, your name's Mervyn Hi. You're the owner of The Panic Room in Singapore. And that's where we're chatting from now. You're in Singapore, I'm in Melbourne. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, good to see you too. We're about what, two two hours apart, yeah? <laughs> yeah, two hours. It's not so bad. It's good. Um, yeah. So today, you got a day off work today, you said? Yeah, today and tomorrow. Uh, it's rare to get like consecutive off days. Uh, so one of my colleagues uh, does the scheduling for me. Okay, great. Usually it's on a weekday, but sometimes I get a weekend off also. <laughs> yeah, that's nice for a change. Um, how's, how's business? How's the panic room going with the current COVID situation? We'll back up in a little bit and have it, uh, explain to the listeners um, what the panic room is. But yeah, how's business going at the moment? Uh, okay, so I think... Um, the there was like a a slight lockdown situation in March from March to about say May. Uh but thankfully during that period of time like barbershops could still operate. So uh customers were still coming in with all the precautionary measures. Uh but I think what hit us more would be more of the the retail sales. Uh, it's been not that great generally. Yeah. Yeah. But also because we have a e-commerce platform, so at least people still have the choice to make certain purchases. They don't have to come down to the the store to to make make their sale happen. You know. 
Unfortunately, you can't do a get a haircut on the internet. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think for for about a month or so, there were no like uh, beard trimming services and hot towel shaving. Like basically, okay, all services had to have the mask on. Yeah, sure. We had yeah, some so... restrictions here. I mean, in the early stages, barbershops were um, deemed essential and they could be open. I'm not aware of any restrictions around bed trimming and restricting services, though. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. So your business is the Panic Room Barbershop in Singapore. It would be the leading barbershop in Southeast Asia. Definitely one of the coolest barbershops I've been into in my global travels, and I've been into plenty of barbershops. Um, <laughs> Thank you. How long? How long have you guys been going now? Uh, we started. We started with the brick and mortar, like store in September 2013. So it's coming to seven years now. And a couple of years before we opened up a place, we were doing, we were selling it online. Okay. I think like when I first reached out to you, I didn't have a, a, a proper shop yet. I was still selling the, some of the permits online and uh, I was still freelancing as a barber doing haircuts at certain events and flea markets. Okay. Yeah, so and how, seven, yeah, coming seven years. And how long had you been barbering prior to that time, prior to opening the panic room? Uh, probably about slightly over three years because I, I started freelancing at a salon mm, around 2010. Yeah. Yeah, and how I picked it up was, uh, so like all, all the guys here in Singapore need to go through national service, like conscription army. So I enlisted in about 2007. Yeah. And that's where I started cutting my own hair, cutting hair for a couple of my camp and eventually all of my camp Yeah, okay. so that was like about two years of self-learning experience on what cutting hair is about. I wouldn't call it barbering then, uh, <laughs> but it was uh, just a lot of creeper work, a lot of scissors work, a lot of different strokes of scissors work and you learning how to use the razor blade. I don't think I was even holding it properly back then. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And were you, was there much of a barber scene in Singapore at the time, like when that was happening and you started developing this interest? Was how how did the barber scene look in Singapore? Was it um, did you have any of these modern style barber shops, or was it much more traditional and older style stores? Okay, so for like uh, yeah, in Singapore it's a bit different. So or, or rather in like Southeast Asia, back then like I would say the the modern barbering scene maybe started in. 2011, 2012, but before that, like, uh, barber, the barbers charged, say, about $10 for a haircut, so it was, like, real quick. Uh, the, they, they didn't focus so much on the fit. It was, like, a quick cut kind of thing. Like, uh, they spent about 
15 to 20 minutes per haircut. So, like, uh, like the, the focus won't be either on the fade or the scissors work, you know. It's like an overall kind of uh, a style, you know. You get what? Uh, yeah, you, you, it's definitely not going to be like a, a skin fade kind of situation back then. Sure. Yeah. And the next level of... Uh, uh, some 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 of the barbers go as cheap as like seven dollars, for example. Okay. Because like people in in the army, they just need a quick cut, so the sides just need to be sort of faded. We call it slope, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like a super tight fade, but somehow you can see it's going from short to long. Uh, it's uh, it's allowed by the like the the uniform groups. Okay. And. Did you have to yeah, have and after which mm. sorry did you have to have a certain type of haircut when you're in the army so i think like the like over here i'm not, I'm not sure is it a worldwide thing but uh at least uh the the rule is the fringe doesn't touch the eyebrows the sides need to be uh not too long i think like after the haircut it should be at least like a number two so that's about six millimeter uh yeah just basically short at the sides and back and not nothing touching the eyebrows uh every, every all facial hair belongs to the government so <laughs> you're not allowed to keep it at all <laughs> wow yeah so anyway I mean, back back to like the 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 barber prices right the the next tier would be like the salons already so there, there wasn't any uh, modern barber shops charging, say, about thirty dollars per haircut then. Okay. Yeah. And were you guys one of the first of those the wave of modern barber shops? There's quite a few in Singapore now, um, but were you one of the first ones to open? Uh, one of the first few, I think, the first ever to open. Be, like the, the new wave of uh, barber shops would be Hounds of the Baskervilles. I think you've been there before, right? That for, is it Ferez? Ferez, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They even got their own brand of uh, foamates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing them around that time as well. And you took me in there when I came to visit. And that was fun. Yes, they, yes, were, yes. they were cool guys. Yeah, they're all cool. Yeah. Uh, more, most of them, like the the boys that used to be in the shop there they they most of them are still barbers okay cutting hair at different places now yeah and what about what was the um the the concept for the panic rooms quite unique i haven't really i don't think i've seen anywhere like it um where i've traveled to and looked at barber shops you've got you know obviously you've got your barber shop but you've got this fantastic retail space with a huge range of products from all over the world and you know now you've got the the record store and just a really cool environment there with the um, the music and and you know the merch and you know on top of that it's it's you've also got a distribution center set up where you're bringing in brands from around the world select brands and wholesaling those throughout Singapore as well so was that was that concept something that you had right from the start, or did you just start off as a barber and then these other opportunities came along and it evolved? Uh, so yeah. So so when I started, 
cutting hair. Uh, I think I was a bit short-sighted, I would say. So I was just focusing on haircuts. And then after which, I realized if I put in like 10 hours of time to cut hair, I make 10 hours uh, worth of money. Then I started selling products in the salon because in, in salon, like uh, my, my first boss then, she would teach us a lot of different like sales tactics and stuff. She would say like, oh, you know, if you, if you don't try to sell the product, it won't move at all. So like one of the ways was like to get the customers from outside to come in. So once she said, once they step in, there's a 50% chance they'll buy something. Mm-hmm. So I believe like everyone coming into the salon itself that set, set the food in there, uh, they would they will have that 50% chance of uh, purchasing something. So, but, yeah, but what entices them to, to make that move, uh, it's, it has, it has to be something more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, when, when I was cutting hair back then, I was like, okay, so like this product doesn't work that well for say like a slick bag. So that's when I started to research more. And I think the first few brands uh, we, we brought in were like Playwright and Suavecito because I think back in 2010, 2011, those were like popular water silver sure. homemade brands. Yeah. So I, I started bringing them in and we had, uh, we, we, we built like a, uh, a a web a website that started selling them. Uh, so I, I realized products pretty much move on their own. You know, yeah. you don't even need to be cutting hair for a certain person. Uh, just just for them to buy something. So from from there we grew from two brands to much more, and we also started selling other things. Because we figured we could, why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's a great concept. And when I, I remember when we first connected and I looked at your website and researched the business and obviously, you know, you had a big following on social media and you were the place, the barbershop that everybody in Southeast Asia were referencing or looking at. Um, and I, th- I thought it was really interesting how you'd created this model with in a really cool store but then having the retail the you know the direct consumer retail and the e-commerce platform as well and then distribution from there so yeah i was pretty excited when we started chatting and you were interested in the brand that was definitely yeah. my business a really good nudge and you know being and you know involved with you guys has given me a lot of credibility in those early days as well so yeah, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, I I wasn't expecting much of a reply from you to be honest initially. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm glad everything turned out well, very organic. I mean, I think that's uh a bit of our uh, our business also. Like so far, all the results have been quite organic. Like we don't we don't force uh certain ways or things. Mm. Uh, just let pretty much the things uh move on its own 
but nudge it a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. Like I don't have a pushy approach with what I'm doing at all. And and sometimes I think maybe, you know, that that's at the detriment of the, the my, my sales and the business. But it's just it's the approach that I prefer as well is just developing the relationships. And, you know, if you can reciprocate and and you know work well with somebody, then it's you know it just seems to work so much better and it's just enjoyable it's a much it's just it's it's a way that i want to do business it's it um yeah yeah it's great and so early on when you guys got started who were your who were you looking to in the industry for inspiration were you were there particular people that you would be looking at and referencing um I know you had some interaction and you've got a great friendship with um, Miguel from the Nomad Barber. It was about that, that time he was, he was um, doing really well and had, it was really popular as well. Um, and you guys spent some time together. So that would have been an interesting experience as well. Okay, so uh, when back in, back in the, the day, when like I, I realized what I'm doing is more like barbering related, I decided to do more research on it. So uh, I figured I need I needed to be really good at like the men's haircuts. Uh, like generally, I ha I had to be good at blow drying, scissors work. Most people think like barbers are only good with clipper work, but that that's not true. Also, mm. uh, I needed to be good at my shaves, uh, and also beard trims. Like learn how to blow dry the beard do up the different shapes and all. Uh, but apart from that, because uh, when you tell someone you're a barber in Singapore, they'll be thinking, like, this guy probably isn't serious. Like, they'll be thinking of, like, the the the, the barbers that they, the traditional barbers that they usually see. Okay. And then they realize, like, oh, like, we are charging pretty much same as what the salons here are charging. So uh, they'll, they'll think, like, what's so special about it? So I decided to, because I, I was dealing with a lot of uh, like mohawks and shaven sites back then. So I decided to add on learning uh, hair tattoos, like shaving the patterns at the site. So one of my inspirations back then was uh, this, this guy in US who did a lot of uh, hair tattoos. Uh, he used to be an and this educator. Yeah, but we 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 lost touch already because he's very very artistic. So he's a bit detached from the real world. Okay. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he didn't he didn't like people talking about other hair tattoo artists. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, he deleted almost everyone that talked about uh, other like head tattoo artists in general. Okay. Like he, he wants to be the one. Yeah. And uh, so what that, that was about 20, yeah, 2010. So I connected with uh, Miguel in 2012. Okay. Yeah, I think I think in between there there weren't like too many uh, iconic inspirations for me yeah because that that guy i followed he was uh really really good at what he does i think he also did like the the last supper 
portrait on someone's head. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's how good he is. That's insane. I'll, I'll give you his name later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll be keen to check it out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I was just online looking at uh, different stuff. You, YouTube was still, like, it didn't have too many good tutorials back then. Okay. Yeah, so fast forward to 2012, uh, I, I, I knew, like, or rather, end, end of 2012, just before Miguel started his uh, Nomad Barber tour, uh, I saw like Singapore was one of the least, uh, one of the countries that he he might be coming to. So I dropped him a an email, uh, saying like, okay, if you are if you are ever in Singapore, like just let me know. I'll just like bring you around and stuff. And I, I thought what he was doing was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I got I got the and I got a, I got a reply. So he said, yeah, he's probably coming to Singapore. And nearer the date, uh, we reconnected. And uh panic room was already set up. So he said he wants to come and like take a look. Yeah. Because back then uh it it was like we really literally just started the shop. So and was that uh, shop in like Galilee also? Was that, that was uh, it was it was before Geylang. It was somewhere in uh like Chinatown area. Yeah, okay. Was wasn't wasn't that big. Like it was just like a four seater. Right now we've got about eight eight to nine chairs. Yeah. And a huge retail space. Back then the retail space every everything was like less than half of what we have now. Okay. Yeah, so after he he came to Singapore, every, everything was just very like organic also. Like I was just being myself, he was just being himself. And yeah, it's, it's been a good seven seven years of friendship now. Wow. Or more. Hopefully more. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, did, did a travel with him also. Uh, was good, was good. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. And one thing um, uh, with you guys, you've, you kind of tick all the boxes in lots of ways. Like you've got this great space, which you said now you've, you've got a bigger space in Galang, which is the red light district area <laughs> in Singapore. My favorite area to visit when I'm there. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, was that um, the evolution of that shop is, you know, how, is, how have you stayed relevant with the changes in the, the industry? Like there's been more shops opening, opening, you've evolved your business over the years. And one thing I noticed that you, you know, you're very progressive with your social media and the digital marketing side of the business. That's something that, um, you know, I always look to you guys as, inspiration and leaders and that and that part of your business as well is that something that you guys have really focused on or has that just been part of the natural evolution as well i think more forward thinking at that point of time mm -hmm. uh, dabbling into the the online and digital stuff but right now like everyone's doing it yes like the term seo used to be so foreign back then but now like everyone's saying like oh I spend like X amount on my SEO budget for this month, this quarter, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I think 
I think for I mean I'm I'm not I'm not the strategist, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's 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 good uh strategy for like growing the brand and bringing the brand forward. Definitely, it's quite uh yeah. I think I think it's a evolution kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, you're definitely ahead of the game from what I could see. Um in lots of ways with that aspect of the business, but also with this, the range that you offer in the retail sector direct to the consumer is something I have, I've never seen that in any other barbershop. Like you've got this huge display area with brand, with so many different brands and you can really tailor products to, you know, really broad range of people. And I think that part of the service is something that is, you know could be lacking in other areas of the industry and i think one thing i noticed when i what that what struck me when i've been in and had haircuts and sat in the chair with you is that even just at every workstation you've got a huge selection of products there that the barber can pick from to <laughs> match up with the the customer and the customer's hair and the cut that they're getting so yeah that's a, you know that's really impressive to see that yeah, it's pretty much like candy for the hair. Like, yeah. which candy would you like today? And then just choose one and then bam. Uh, yeah, we, we still try to bring in like newer products just to like refresh the selection a little bit. But uh, I, think, I think right now, a lot of products that are coming out are quite homogeneous. It's mm. not much different from like another 10 products that were released before it. So we're just uh, we just listen to what like customers tell us like oh maybe you should try this, take a look if it seems like it's quite good then we'll just make a a small purchase and like see how it goes. Okay, what gap do you see? There are any gaps in the product um, space at the moment? Is there something that you feel like is missing in your? set of products that you your go-to products uh maybe maybe products for like longer hair like myself yeah yeah uh yeah because like every every a lot of products that i put in it just makes me want to wash it out straight away maybe it's just me maybe it's just me but uh i think currently what uh the the only product that I like to put in my own hair would be like all the sea salt sprays and freestylers, like just that tad bit of texture in the hair. Sure, sure. Yeah, anything more just makes it almost impossible to run my hands through. I think you've got the um, Modern Pirate styling powder on the way at the moment. See how that one goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah. Um, and what about as far as the influence of the business and the, the, what you're doing in there as far in regards to haircuts and styles. Are you, um, are you kind of all on the same page, the barbers, or are you, does everybody have their own kind of style or um, techniques that they like to use? Uh, so, okay. So ma mainly all of us like to keep like haircuts natural. Yeah. So we try not to do like crazy thick hot parts or crazy offset uh partings and 
yeah, just just keeping like the haircut growing as naturally as possible. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all, all of us, all of us know of a lot of techniques, but there are some techniques that we go to more. So uh, yeah, every everyone uses a bit of different techniques here and there still, uh, and. Yeah, like like if I get someone else's haircut, like I roughly know who in the shop cut for that person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, I think I think main thing would be the customer service. Like, uh, regardless of the technique, I think the interaction is still pretty top notch. I feel. I hope. Okay. Yeah. And how long is a serv- How long generally do you allocate for a service? Uh, so it's about half an hour to an hour. Okay. Yeah, because uh, some some of the barbers prefer to do like a longer consultation. It really depends. Like like I said, we we try to keep it organic and not not force uh, force them to like cut the service down or to like thirty minutes slot. Yeah, sure. And everything's booking, or do you do walk-ins as well? So main. We're we're pretty much uh booked up for like week by week kind of thing. Yeah. But of course there'll be cancellations here and there. So the uh, I think mainly it's still bookings, but uh sometimes there's still walk ins coming in. Sure. So if they catch us at the right time, they get a slot. But uh if the timing doesn't match then uh the the walk ins and ourselves don't get that slot. Okay. Yeah, but mainly still booking. And what about in regards to just general trends in the industry and changes, um, whether it's haircut styles or products used? Like, are you guys, you know, where do you feel like the biggest influence comes from? Is it more Europe or is it USA? You know, how is, what do you feel like the general influence for Southeast Asia is? And do you feel like uh, you're ahead of something or do you feel like you kind of are getting, you're following in behind some of the trends that are changing in other areas of the world? I think, uh, okay, for, for me, I follow more of like the, the UK stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then like Australia and UK is quite similar. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. Yeah. Uh, US I still follow, but some some of the some of the stuff they do just a bit more uh showy could i say yeah like they they look they look really really good on instagram like you know how how they use like the the disinfectant and they light up a lighter to do like have fire coming out from the nozzle and stuff sure yeah it's not an everyday look we're much more um yeah we downplay things a lot more here i think we're a lot more you know natural in the styles that are created and yeah, yeah that's right that's right that's right in that way i just prefer that uh but of course there are there are some uh barbers that focus on like really uh making the hairline a lot darker than it is like yeah. by manipulating the hairlines and stuff. Uh, so I, I think maybe in like Singapore, the trend is like 50-50. Yeah, sure. 
And do you have any industry body? Like, do you have a accredited barber education platform in Singapore that people need to go through? Or is it um, like through salons and then people move into the barber space and then are, are trained in-house depending on where they are? Most people that go to like a, a salon school, for example, they probably wouldn't want to go to barbering because uh, without the chemical services, like the the money that you earn can't really jump much. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, uh, there, there are a couple of uh, barber schools in Singapore, but like not not an official one. So meaning meaning to say, you could literally fly over from Melbourne to Singapore now, set up a shop and call yourself a barber and be cutting hair. Wow. There's, uh, there's no... Uh, it's not that regulated yet. Yeah, okay. But maybe maybe after this uh, COVID situation, I think the only thing more regulated would be the cleanliness aspect to it. Not so much of the tools handling aspect or the the skills set to see. Sure. And have you noticed, um, obviously, I, you know, I read some statistics a couple of days ago that, the, I mean, everywhere, obviously, the economies are, are being impacted in a big way by um, what's happened with COVID. Are you expecting that there's going to be closures of barbershops? Is the industry going to tighten up a little bit? Um, or do you feel like it's it, it will ride through and, and remain strong? Uh, so like yesterday, one of my friends from another barber shop visited me. Uh, his shop is a three-seater shop. So when they sell the shop, it's a bit squeezier. So I think what's happening with like the smaller spaces right now is that they have to remove about 30% to 50% of the chairs they have. Mm. due to like the the distance between each chair being less than a meter so meaning, meaning to say like his maximum sales he could get for that week would be at least 30% less for sure so challenging challenging for sure yeah and uh, I think people are not buying uh, hairstyling products that much because most people are still in a work work at home uh, situation right now. Uh, that, that's why we are trying to educate the people who are staying home more now about uh, skincare and stuff. Because I think some of them are taking more showers than they should. Yeah, yeah. Like with, with uh, products that have a lot of chemicals. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and... Uh, Another change, I think, would be like the mask. I think we pretty much got to uh, keep it on for, I don't know, like in, in my head, I think like it's for the next decade kind of thing. Like how yeah. dentists and doctors and nurses would keep their masks on. I think it's going to be the same for like the hairstyling industry. Uh, but whether or not they, like the government here decides to, to shut more down, I'm not, not, yeah. I mean, I have no control of that. I hope not. But, yeah, it's uh, hard to know what regulations will be coming through with um with the industry. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure you guys will adapt and 
um, remain strong through it. I've got no doubt. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so too. Yeah. Hey, and just um, on a personal level, you, um, in the last couple of years, you've made some big changes in your life. You have really dived deep into fitness and health and wellness and um, where, what sparked that? And, and can you tell me a little bit about why you sort of made those changes? Okay, so uh, I think I started like taking more, like giving, giving more attention to my body, maybe about 2017. So, uh, yeah, basically I was ballooning, just uh, not that healthy, wasn't sleeping well, wasn't eating well, I wasn't even working out at all. Uh, pretty much felt breathless most of the time when I'm like walking up the stairs. Yeah, okay. Because our shop is our shop is on the second floor. So that <laughs> flight of stairs made me exhausted. Yeah. And I think it's during the same time, uh like yourself and Miguel, they were like you guys were moving into a bit of yoga, a bit of meditation, just uh, giving more attention to the body, taking care of the body. So that that also inspired me to make a change. Yeah, uh, your your transformation progress is also really amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I started reading up more on like, what what is good for the body? I mean, it, it's quite it's quite generic everywhere. Like, just eat well, sleep well, uh, and then just exercise. Pretty much, uh, do do what the body needs. For sure, yeah. And I think I mean, what's cool with you is you've done it the you've done it the right way. There's a lot of people that that I find go down this path of becoming fit, but they don't become healthy. And the way you've done it and the way you're exercising and the way you're living is it's, you know, you've, you've combined things really well. And I just see a huge change in you just mentally and with your happiness levels. And it's, um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So the calisthenic side of things I think is really cool because you're moving your body in a functional way and, um, I feel like you just, it's really rewarding as well because you're just constantly getting these little wins and, you know, you see, you know, you feel the progression and it's exciting and it just keeps you really motivated as well. So yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm really enjoying the journey, watching what's, what's happening in the evolution. Very cool. Yeah. And it looks, it looks cool. So I think generally I like all acrobatic looking movements for sure for sure we should, we should do the rock climbing one day <laughs> yeah no i'm definitely um i'm definitely up for that i've like i've mentioned to you i've tried it a few times and yeah it's it's yeah it's something i definitely want to get into a bit more i've got a really cool rock climbing indoor gym just close to my house which i'm hoping you know once the lockdown sort of breaks that we can get back in there and have some fun as well yeah definitely 
uh, and apart, apart from that, I think like the, the people surrounding you, uh, they, they make a lot of difference also. Like if you're always surrounded by sad people, I think you feel sad also. Yeah. It just happens that most of my friends, they are all quite cheery. We spout the same kind of nonsense that make each other laugh. So that's good. <laughs> that's good, yeah. Yeah, and it's great to be around people, especially with the the fitness stuff and the calisthenics to be around people that, you know, are, are better than you. So you feel like, you know, you've got yeah. this, this drive and this inspiration to sort of push and learn and, and grow from that in the same way you do in other parts of your life, whether it's in business. Yeah, that's right. Nothing. You have to always surround yourself with people better than you are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to see. Hey, um, um, I'm going to let you go and enjoy your, your day off. But just for the listeners, where can people find you? And yeah, what's the, what's the best place? Obviously, the Panic Room. Is it thepanicroom.com.sg? Yeah, that's our website. Yeah. And uh, the Instagram account will be thepanicroom underscore sg. Yeah. And uh and what's your oh, mine 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 I'm a bit ashamed to spell it out, but I will. <laughs> so mine is at Muffin Liu It's M U F F Y N L I U L I U. There's not too much barbering stuff happening, but just a lot of uh, nonsensical posts. No, it's cool. <laughs> You've got a great personal Instagram. It's it's um inspiring all your your calisthenic stuff that you're learning and doing and yeah, you're killing it. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for being kind. <laughs> I think you are actually better than me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, not at all. Um, all right, Mervyn, really good to talk to you, mate. When these lockdowns end, I'd love to get over and have another visit and spend some time in Singapore doing some stuff with you guys. Yeah, definitely. When flights can resume again. Yes. Without the quarantine, hopefully. Ho- hopefully not too far away. Yeah. All right, take care and we'll speak soon. Yeah, take care. Thanks for listening to the Modern Pirate Podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to iTunes now to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review. Want to talk more about this episode, suggest a guest or offer feedback, please head to our Instagram page, modern underscore pirate, or swing by the website to sign up for our semi-weekly newsletter at modernpirate.com.au. Thanks again and stay salty. Mm